Danny Nelson. And Alexis Yard Sale Holzer. <laughs> this is Prep Yourself Weird Edition. Come, get your things, your prepping things, your life prep things from my yard sale. There's no life prep things here because you already have them in your kits. Yeah, because everything I was selling in my yard sale that was maybe Prep Yourself stuff, I was like, we're not selling that. <laughs> You're like, I need that. I need like, it. Also, my friends need it in case if that's, I don't need that. Yeah, that's the other thing. So if you get a like re-gift from me, like something that looks like a re-gift, <laughs> it's a re-gift. Hey, but I love you and I want you to live. I love my re-gift of the BioLite. Yeah, so you do the best re-gifting. <laughs> I think that everyone Thank would really appreciate it. Says really the woman who's wearing the tiara that I <laughs> sold to her for $2 today. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Uh, so it's been a couple of weeks since we've been able to get together because our lives have been super crazy. So Yo. we're going to do a special edition of cuts from part of our FEMA interview and then uh, us harassing our friends that we've lured here with Bloody Marys and mimosas to your yard sale to purchase your items and then also (laughs) tell us about their disaster preparedness. I can't think of a better episode. (laughs) We're talking about the culture of preparedness, disaster prep. And I love all of the stuff that um, Peter and Jackie and Cam had to talk about. And I'm so excited to hear what all our friends say about it because... (laughs) You know, if you didn't know, all our friends are maybe as nerdy as we are. Yep. Maybe more. So far, my questions have mainly been focused around, like, what's your best compliment for me? Um, Who do you think that should be president, me or Lex? Mm -hmm. Um, Have you ever thought about whether you might have water at your house? (laughs) (laughs) Here's the hilarious thing. At work, we have this whiteboard, and on the whiteboard, I erase this thing, and everyone goes, you have to put something else up. And I was like, okay. And I wrote, do you like water? (laughs) (laughs) So far, more people like water than don't like water. Oh, well, I'm glad that people like water at your work. I think I need to put up a question about preparedness, though. I think that's a good idea. But for today, that's not what we're doing. For today, we're just harassing our friends about their general preparedness, which is also helping me kind of think of some of the stuff that I want to add to our general lives. All right, I'll be back later with Lex. Bye. Bye. We wanted to hear like some more stories about any past responses that you've done or currently are the most exciting Oh, there's all kinds of stuff, I think. I think uh, one thing we talk about, say, is that, you know, if you've been to one disaster, you've been to one disaster, so no two are the same. I mean, for me, I was, I I responded to to Irma, Hurricane Irma, Mm. so I was actually pre-staged in in Alabama, and it passed us, we had to shelter in place, It, it far weakened by then, so as soon as it passed, as soon as the rain stopped, they're like, go, and I was on my way to Florida, and I was the, one of the first people from FEMA in Orlando, and it was like, Go do your thing. And so that's what I did. Have you ever been in a, what you would consider a disaster? No. Ryan, have you ever been in what you would consider a disaster? No. Other than this interview? <laughs> I can think of lots of humorous retorts, but no real disasters. I accept humorous retorts. Oh, there was a hurricane. I had to evacuate. Tell me about it. Well, it was Hurricane... I can't remember which hurt, Rita, or it was in Texas. We, I had to evacuate to San Antonio. Were you, from Houston, from Houston. Were you scared? No. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, like, a, there was a lot of flooding, but it didn't, like, it didn't affect us, so. 
or it didn't affect my apartment, so I was fine. I just was worried about like the power being off and being trapped downtown because I live downtown and there was like tales of people um, getting like flooded in the underground tunnels. Like there were people that died. So. Yeah. So, so just the death of people. It wasn't a big deal. Just some people died in some tunnels. Previous hurricanes, but the one that I was that was there, you know, I was in was not that bad. Have you ever been in what you would consider a disaster? My life, but that's it. <laughs> what about you, Michelle? I mean, she had a really good answer. <laughs> no, not a real disaster. First question for you guys. Have you ever been in what you consider a disaster? I don't think so. I don't think so. Not a major disaster of any kind. One of my favorite, um, like, kind of natural disaster incident stories is there was, like, I, I grew up in Massachusetts, which is not known for windstorms or tornadoes or anything like that, but there was some sort of mini cyclone random event that took down a lot of power lines on Main Street. I grew up in this really typical small town and it was so fun because they shut down main street to all traffic and the kids got to go out and play on main street all night and it was like a summer night it was light late so we were like playing ball in the middle of the street because there'd been this small disaster i don't think anyone was hurt but it can be fun have you ever been a part of a disaster well i was married once um but it's probably not what you're speaking about (laughs) yeah i have yeah what was this superstorm sandy in New York. Tell me a little bit about that. Um, well, it's pretty rare for that type of thing to hit New York. So, in my particular neighborhood, no one really prepared at all. So, we just kind of hunkered down and just dealt with uh, what became much more than what everyone expected. And was there an evacuation at all of that uh, storm? There was, but no one evacuated. <laughs> And he was on a plane trying to get out of New York while it was going, and he was going to be the last plane out of New York, like the official last plane, uh-huh. and a bunch of, was it geese, hit the engine? Well, first there was the cat. Oh, let so, me hear the cat. <laughs> there was, um, this lady had was boarding the plane with her cat, and as we were taxiing the cat, uh... <laughs> exploded of diarrhea what? and they opened up the bag to check on the cat and it started running around the plane just covered in shit and leaving little like dookie paw prints on people's pants and running up and down the aisle of the plane underneath the seats and everyone was like get the cat and people were like fuck no I'm not grabbing the cat it's covered in shit it's covered in shit I'm not grabbing the cat so they finally catch the cat and they this lady puts it back in the tote and they shove it back underneath the seat and they say all right we're canceling the we're going back to the gate where you're not going to make it out no so everyone is upset everyone gets you know they're upset they want to leave before the real storm comes because this is their last chance out so as we're taxiing back to the gate, the flight attendant um, tells us that they'd allow, they'd, they'd, they were going to lock the lady and the cat in the bathroom for the flight, and that we're just going to go. We're just going to go for it. 
So we take off. Anyways, long story short, we hit a flock of geese, came back again after we took off, and we ended up in the city. Before you go long story short, as you're taking off, you hit a flock of geese? So we're taking off. We're just leaving the, the metro area, leaving Manhattan. You see the beautiful view. The, the, it's in the evening, so there's like the sunset view and the clouds and all the, you know, you see the city beneath you. Soon after, the, the plane takes like a Top Gun bank left, and we were just, everyone's like, the lady like grabs my leg. She goes, is this normal? Like, no, nothing. This is not normal. So we just start descending, get lower and lower and lower. And we, as we land back at LaGuardia, there's ambulances and fire trucks lining the runway that follow us you know into the gate and everyone is blaming the the cat they think it's something that the cat did so they're like you know pretty upset you know like cursing this poor lady um the cat you know the captain gets times like uh ladies and gentlemen in the cabin this is the captain up in the flight deck and it appears that we've had a bird strike and we need to whatever blah 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 fix the plane they said you can stay on the plane and wait for them to repair it or you can get off i was like fuck this like i've had enough so that was it so you didn't get off the plane did you end up staying in uh laguardia or did you go home i just went home in new york i had a place in new york as well so i just stayed there and you just stayed there through the storm through the storm and do you feel like the storm was really scary for you, or do you feel like it was like a mild inconvenience? Mild inconvenience. In a scary way. <laughs> <laughs> I've been through three major hurricanes. Um, Hugo in 1989, um, in Charleston, South Carolina. Andrew in, I think that was 92, in South Florida. And... Oh, there's one other one. I don't remember the name of it, but it was also in Florida. Came across the coast. What about you, Jeff? I have fled from many hurricanes living uh, inland in Mississippi uh, and going to school on the coast of Mississippi, but never was in any uh, imminent danger. Um, The most would be being in the middle of a tornado in a trailer in Alabama. Go Alabama. (laughs) (laughs) It was about an hour from uh, Tuscaloosa as well. Do you mean Alexander City? (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure if anyone knows where that is. (laughs) That's my hometown. Shut up. Uh, So tell me about on those hurricanes. Did you have to do any kind of response or personal response or did you evacuate? Uh, We had to tape up our windows. Um, In the one in south carolina they wanted us to evacuate but we didn't and half of our roof came off um and in andrew we had to evacuate everybody did pretty much um we ended up with zoo animals in our backyard (laughs) that's really cool did you have to take care of them or were there people who like came with them to take care of them yeah we actually kept one of the parrots um yeah returned it years later but because he would bite every time you tried to get near him so we just fed him and finally he became tame enough where we could return him (laughs) that's so cool 
Did you ever have to do, did you ever have to evacuate from any of the emergencies? Um, Andrew, yeah, we had to evacuate from the coast. Um, I wasn't living in on the coast for Katrina, but yeah, my high school down there had like cars floating through it and it was the highest point on the coast down there. Um, it's pretty crazy. I will say this though, uh, we've lived in Atlanta and Austin, Texas, and so a lot of people from Katrina, um, oh, yeah. they, they just picked one or the other depending on what your interests were, where your friends or family were, and to hear what some of those people went through, how they lost absolutely everything, and seeing these people firsthand start over was inspiring, uh, especially a lot of musicians where they're, all they really ever had, they, they lived in houses where f four or five of guys would live in one house, and all of a sudden they... They just start over with a mattress and their guitar, and that's yeah. And you know, you started um, started the conversation by asking us uh, about example stories of, of incidents, and I think if anything, what we learned last year during the 2017 hurricane season is the fact that stuff is hitting the fan, right? Mm -hmm. And the multiple hurricanes that we had last year taxed FEMA beyond our capabilities. We actually had to bring in our surge capacity people, our federal partners to get out in the field with us. Every single FEMA person who was available was working on a disaster response operation in 2017. So what does that tell us? <laughs> that the more we can develop this culture of preparedness where we're helping each other, right? where we're the first responders on the ground, you're the first responder to help your neighbor, right? right. You're the first responder. I mean, one of you has talked about your pet. Oh, right? for sure, right. We both so, have pets. Right, mm -hmm. so you're the first mm -hmm. responder for your animals and your pets. And Nobody, no matter who they are, lives alone. Right. We all rely on somebody for something. So this is all about how do we build, maintain, and sustain community in good times and in bad. That's what emergency management is about to me. And I just think that's, like, super cool. Yeah. And I want everybody to do it. I'm like, you got to come and do it, man. Get on board. There was also a time when, in the United States, we didn't have a litter program, right? Nobody right. thought about yeah. litter. So you'd be driving down the street and throw out whatever, right? Your, your styrofoam. Exactly. <laughs> Thankfully, we didn't have styrofoam back then. And, and, and we developed a culture of caring for our environment, right? Well, that's what we're getting at with, with preparedness, right? Where you wake up and you think about your family. Do my children know what number to call if, if something happens? So that's, that's a culture of preparedness. What do you know about the threats in your area and how are you ready to survive it and begin your recovery process? When you hear people talk about prepping or preparedness in general, what does it make you think about? That what I think about when I hear that is um, how you kind of instill in whether it's your household, whether it's your organization you work at, how you kind of instill the thought process of being prepared, right? And so it's not just a here's your checklist. It's it's practicing things. It's um, using examples or scenarios and um, just getting people constantly ready. Because if you just do it once, if you say, here's your checklist, put this on your fridge, get ready, it's never going to happen. So you have to reinforce those behaviors over and over and over again until it starts to become normal for people to think that way. 
Like having extra food and water and just knowing like a certain list of things to do. I don't know any of the things on this list. <laughs> I think of sort of like a futile paranoia people like to buy into and make themselves feel like they're more comfortable. But I think that there would be so much mass casualty and that, you know, people who have their prep bags would just get beaten up and killed for their supplies. So I'm sort of relying on the fact that I can be lazy about this because even the prepared people are going to be fucked too. <laughs> My husband, folks. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> so I guess the answer is not to so do anything. I'll be- so when you hear like about prepping or the culture of preparedness, like what do you think about? I don't think I thought about it until you guys started doing this podcast. Like at all. Like I didn't, it wasn't anything that ever crossed my mind until this podcast. And I thought, I didn't know that people thought about it until you started doing this podcast. Winning. Um, I think the most I've really thought about it is, like, I thought about if something went totally wrong and crazy, how I would get my cat out of the city. Like, my concern was, like, my cat and how I would, like, care for him in an emergency situation. So that's that's about it. Probably how underprepared I am at this moment (laughs) we would be really prepared for like a spill on our uh, floors you know with like um, paper towels and toilet (laughs) paper but if we need if we were in an emergency we would be very unprepared I think but uh, I mean obviously it also makes me think of the preparedness situations that we had to go through growing up you know whether for a nuclear disaster or a earthquake or you know anything like that just the different tornado drills and that kind of stuff but so just being prepared in that in that way but yeah home-wise not prepared not yeah what about you what makes what does it make you think about water the need for water and you know how crazy it is the the few hurricanes i've been through and then the threat of hurricanes and tropical storms and you go to the store in florida and all the water's gone and it's like oh i probably should have stocked up but i didn't so i'm gonna have to rob my neighbors how prepared do you feel like you are for a disaster we have lots of water (laughs) That's awesome. Like, that's stored at your house? Yeah. We've got, yes. like, I think about eight gallons of bottled water. Um, Lots of camping equipment. Yeah. With, like, stoves and food. And well, we might have been dipping into the food, but... But, yeah, we have lots of... I feel semi-prepared. I like that. I think having camping equipment and also you guys are both very physically fit. So I don't think you should put that as I a... keep extra tennis shoes at work. <laughs> Perfect. I, I'm the fire warden at work. And so I have like tell everyone to like have these lists of like bring your medications and have your glasses and, and things like that. So um, I try to encourage other people. And then I've been slowly building my own little kit at work. But Do you have a kit at work? No. <laughs> but do you wear tennis shoes every day? Uh, yes. <laughs> so you're yeah, ready to run. I, I, I take my workout shoes with me every day, so I have nice. shoes, and I it's like a, I can walk home in like 45 minutes. From, yeah. Uh, Did you get these? I'm ex- no. No. So this is part of your building that cultural preparedness where it makes it, um, so this is from actually uh, Washington State Emergency Management. Um, they have a prepare for a year thing, so you kind of just go like once a month and prepare the stuff. Prepare in a year, in not a year. for a year. In a year. Yes. In a year. <laughs> well, and that's what I was talking about, right? So we talk about 
because because money is limited for well, most of us except maybe Bill Gates and a few other people that live around here. Maybe some <laughs> yeah, football, Paul baseball, Allen, right? yeah, so you know, there's a there's a small group of people. But for everybody else, again, preparedness can feel daunting. Right? You can start out with what's your family plan? What does it mean if I wherever you live, what happens if we have a house fire? How do, if I have a second-story window, does every single second-story window have an escape ladder or a way to get from the window to a roof to be able to get down? Every single person who lives in a multi-story building should think about that. We did this thing where we said, okay, let's take an hour at home over the weekend or whatever and see what you already have. And that is without touching my own preparedness kits, I went and I had a, I had a large tub that had like one little thing in it and I just... I just Took that out, and I'm like, "Hey, cool! I have a tub now." And now I went around and and going off those lists, um, I actually got most of the way. I have these things. I have flashlights. You know, mm-hmm. I have extra flashlights. Well, I can throw one in this kit. Mm-hmm. You know, I had a, you know extra water, all kind of stuff. So things that I just kind of went around and, and I looked at what did I have, and I was probably a good hundred fifty dollars of that list towards mm-hmm. what I needed to do. So you probably have a lot of that stuff. It's really about just getting into one place. Yeah. If you camp. You probably a lot of your camping gear can, can probably be the same thing. So just keep it all in one space next to your disaster gear, so it's all in the same, because you'll be pulling from the same resources. So again, building that um, that that preparedness, that message, that preparedness, and you know, we got some good stuff about the culture of preparedness. And you like that's one of the things is you are the help until help arrives. So getting to talking to your neighbors, you say, is someone a medical professional? Right. So if something happens, I know exactly where to go to. I'm not going door to door. I know this is where we need to talk to. You know, um, and. I've talked to my neighbors, and, you know, that's the thing is we can also share resources. So it isn't about everybody has their own propane, you know, grill so they can still cook. If one person does and we all kind of come together, somebody has a very extensive garden, well, they're not going to be able to freeze anything or keep it. So they're going to be sharing. Um, a person is a landscaper, which means he has all the tools. So when we need to – we have all these trees that are down that can help remove them or help cut them down like, or that kind of stuff. So, I mean, we have yeah. – Tools is somebody a mechanic that can help things get back up and running. Is someone hilarious? Is someone come exactly. till Joe? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So you got a morale officer, yeah, exactly. which is always important. Yeah. <laughs> Along with our culture of preparedness, one of the things we're talking about is getting to know your neighbors. Like one of the things that's really helpful is just knowing your neighbors, who they are, and who might be helpful to you or who you could help. Do you have a favorite neighbor, and how could they be helpful to you, or could you be helpful to them? So I don't know any of my neighbors. I live in an apartment building in an area that is all apartment buildings. And that is something that is difficult because there's not any sort of community board or anything. And there's not really much of a way to get to know my neighbors. And so that is something that in all of the advice that I've heard from you guys is great for when you live in houses and stuff. But for apartment life... I would like to know more about what I could do for that. Uh, what about you? Do you know any of your neighbors that you would trust or that you would want to help? Um, like one of my neighbors has a hairless cat that runs around the like floor sometimes. So like I kind of know them. I don't remember their names, but like I've met them and like I've pet their cat. That's like the closest I am to any of my neighbors. <laughs> So we live like nine blocks from someone who has a preparedness podcast. (laughs) And now we know exactly where they live. Oops, Lex, I guess you shouldn't have invited these people over because you're going to be their primary contact. 
The neighbor on the corner, um, he's a really nice guy. His name is the same name as the guy from Parks and Rec. Ben Wyatt. Ben Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> so that's fun. And they also have a dog, and so the dogs like to hump each other. Ben would be the guy we would go to because he's the guy we can borrow garden tools from. And he's got a motorcycle, so you know he's cool. Um, he would be the guy to help us. But, you know, I think about this sometimes because I lived in Leavenworth for six years, and my best friend there, Sam Broadus, he was like a real country boy. He, had, he hunted, he had guns. And he would always say, he also is like, kind of believes that the end is coming. So he's like, when they come for us, when, when the bomb hits or when it's the end of times, you come to me and I'll protect you because I know how soft I am. So Sam would like, he's got a freezer full of elk. Of and he us. would like defend me and like I would but he's cook gourmet elk for him. Right he's now. not our neighbor now. Yeah. So we moved, we bought a house probably about six months ago and kind of classic Seattle. We really haven't met many of our neighbors yet, um, but we know a couple of them. So I would say at this point, there's certainly nobody that I'd feel comfortable relying on, even though they might, you know, be they're worthy of very, that they're all very friendly and so i have a feeling that if it came down to it there would be some community yeah. there but yeah we don't have personal connections necessarily yeah at, at this point, point i think it would be more us i feel like i'm prepared enough to help some other people more than the other way around but that's on us i mean we need to reach out to people and as just a neighbor you need to get to know your neighbors but for this reason and what you guys do uh being prepared it's a huge part and we're lacking there so I will say a lot of people today have mentioned just heading to the Holzers, uh, but not a single person has mentioned heading to my place, which you guys are closer to. Uh, yes. um, would you consider me a neighbor? Yes. Yes, definitely. Yes. Definitely. Because we can walk to your place and we can get to your place yeah. and pretty yeah. much, you know, even the worst of situations we can make. Neighbors. So part of the cult culture of preparedness is knowing your neighbors and like who could be helpful or who you could be helpful to. Do you have a favorite neighbor and is there a reason you would necessarily go to them first, whether it be to help them or for them to help you? Yes. <laughs> I Yeah. Well, we have some neighbors across the street that are all from the South. Um, so we kind of get along with them really well being in that culture ourselves coming from that culture ourselves so i think we'd count on them first um we live in seattle so it's not necessarily the most neighborly city in the world um as much as i try so yeah i'd probably go to them nice what about you my first thought was uh, Judith, our next-door neighbor, who is uh, really old. So uh, probably go to her to make sure that she was okay. Do you know any of your neighbors? Do you have a favorite neighbor? Definitely the Holzers right here. We're there. Yeah, I feel like we don't have a good pet emergency. Like I keep telling myself, I need a stockpile of cat food. But then if I buy extra cat food, the cats eat it. And so you're, I know you're supposed to keep extra food and stuff for your animals and... I do leave the crates accessible, like the, the carriers. Oh, nice. So, yeah. I do like the idea that I just had while you were saying that, that all of us who live on the north end mapping who our pets are, like who has pets. So then if we know that like someone didn't get home, oh, we know like, oh, there's two cats and a dog at this address. Because like you said, you're only like nine blocks from Lex and she won't have anything to do. So <laughs> she should go check on, she should go check on your pets if you're stuck anywhere. Do you want to be on our personal friend's pet map? Because we, this is something that just came up today because we've had a couple of people who like live really close by. And I was like, oh my gosh, we should have a pet map that we all share. Do you want to be on it? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Do you want to be on it? Yes, for the cat that I'm temporarily fostering.
What happened? Didn't you have a cat? Another cat? He died like the week before Christmas. I'm Danny. sorry. Oh my god. Awkward. <laughs> I'm the, I'm the... <laughs> my interviews are not good. Or they're really hard hitting. I'm we okay. don't know. I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> kind of. Until I was reminded of my cat dying. <laughs> I'll be sure to send condolences post haste on <laughs> this for, yeah, for pre Christmas. <laughs> I know that you have pets, so we we just today during this whole discussion have been talking about putting together a pet map. Mm. So not even a map of our friends. We could care less if our friends have survived or not. But, like, what we are trying to do is, like, oh, we should put how many pets people have so if they can't get home, then we can figure out who has dogs and cats. So, I figure I'm going to put you guys on there with your two puppies. And is Gigi still hanging out waiting to get saved? And Meeps. Oh, and Meeps is still around? And the two lizards. Yeah. Hold on. We have to take care of lizards, too? You do. Yes, you do. The predator and Chitara need taken care of. Chitara? We're going to need you guys to go ahead and make sure you come home. What if we're going to have to take care of, like, lizards, cats, dogs, we have, like, a, like, you know. Well, that's one thing about our neighborhood is we probably know the animals better than the people. So we're very familiar with all of our neighbor's dogs and some cats. FEMA is not first responders, we're not the only responders. Right. And that's part of the message. You know, we support the first responders, yeah. and therein lies some of the stuff that people don't really understand about us, right? We support the first responders. That's our job. Have you ever been a first responder on any kind of incident? Uh, yes, I was a crew chief on an ambulance for several years in New York. So a ton of times you were the first I mean, responder. A bunch of times, yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. What about you, Jenny? No. Oh. <laughs> no. Um, were there any of those times that you first responded that like really stood out to you? Uh, one time we had a uh, bus uh, flip over on the interstate, and so it was full of people going on a ski trip, and so there were people kind of scattered all about, you know, in the bus. Some people got thrown from the bus. Uh, luckily, nobody died, but there were a lot of pretty serious injuries, broken bones, and gear and clothes. And it was really hard to kind of at first figure out how to triage and get people settled but um that's probably the one that stands out the most that's really crazy thank you for dealing with that yeah, like that's a lot of stuff yeah. have you ever been a first responder to an incident no, i have not but i did when i lived in bellingham in college there was a big explosion um at whatcom falls and a couple of kids that were playing in the water got killed and i remember hearing a big explosion and all of us college kids not knowing what it was and not knowing what to do and there was like all these stories about a ball of fire rolling down the street which was not true the explosion was at the falls there was pipelines that um I, something happened with the pipelines and so like gas pipes or something yeah. exploded yeah it was it was crazy but at a waterfall yeah at the park that you're like oh my god you know yeah, like well because- it just dawned on me that i remember hearing this big explosion and all of us like just hanging out it was a beautiful summer day and not knowing until much later what had happened and and it was really sad because two like eight-year-old kids were playing down there and got killed 
What that makes me think of is when I was like four or five, I was riding with my mom uh, in Massachusetts and we came upon a man on the side of the road with his arm all wrapped up. And he had just, uh, he was a, a builder, a carpenter, and he'd just fallen off the roof and like torn through an artery in his arm. So he was bleeding out and he was in total shock. So we put him in the car and got him to the hospital. And I just remember that um, he was also an artist and he like wrote us a thank you note and painted this watercolor. His name was Mike something, but I had that for the longest time. So I think about him from time to time. I can't even imagine being a kid and like coming upon someone who's bleeding out which is totally different than someone who's like just been hurt because they're probably like visibly on death's door when they're like bleeding out like that maybe that's a little exaggeration that he was bleeding out he was bleeding severely and he was definitely in shock he needed to go to the hospital and get stitches yeah um so i didn't i wasn't the responder i wasn't driving but i remember that how old were you i was probably four or five i think you could have helped that day (laughs) maybe i could i could have done more pull his weight (laughs) Yes, so two, um, which happened only a few days apart. I used to live in Los Angeles, and I lived in Hollywood, but I bartended on the rooftop of the downtown Standard Hotel. And on this one particular day, it was a Wednesday. I was on my way to work. It was only a 15-minute drive, and I noticed that the car in front of me was swerving back and forth. And I pulled up beside them, and I realized that the driver had fallen asleep. So I got behind them what? and started honking my horn and just to see if I could wake them up instead of being beside them. And so anyways, I saw this very busy, crazy intersection coming up and we just got really close to their tail and just kept honking my horn, honking my horn. And, they, and it was a red light and there was a bunch of traffic going perpendicular, of course, to the intersection that we were in. And the guy was in an SUV and just got T-boned by another car, flipped in the air and, and, and landed upside down. <coughs> when I, you're behind them. So you're behind them. I'm trying to wake the guy up. And um, he this car fell upside down and slid. And I I pulled over. I, actually, I'm sorry. I did, actually, I just put, on my, put it in my car and park and ran up to the car. And he was dangling by his seatbelt. And all these people came over to him and started rocking the car to try to flip it over. And my, myself and this other girl are like, can't move him. So anyways, everybody called 911. And what was really unfortunate about this little side note was that all these people were there trying to help, but it happened to be a Hispanic neighborhood. And a bunch of cops showed up. And they everybody just dispersed like ants. Which made me so sad because it was just, they wanted to help, but at they, the same time... They didn't want to be there with cops. Yes, yeah. with cops, which was really sad about Los Angeles at that time. This was like 15 years ago. But um, anyways, I was the only one that they interviewed about it. And the first question they asked me was if he was on his phone. And so before they helped him, before the ambulance was there, they started interviewing him. Was he on his phone? I said, no, he just fell asleep. Like, was he drinking? Like, no, he just fell asleep. Anyways, um, I ended up leaving. They never called me. But a day later, I was bartending on the rooftop of the Standard. And this tall guy walked up, ordered vodka cranberry. As nice as he could be. He was with his friend. friend was also drinking vodka cranberry. And nothing out of the ordinary about either one of them. So they went and they sat down. And the rooftop of the Standard Hotel, it's neat. It overlooks. They play movies on the sides of other buildings. There's a nice pool. Lots of movies are shot up there. It's just a neat place. Um, And it's on the, I think, maybe the 14th floor. Pretty high up. So all of a sudden, um, out of nowhere, he he and his friend were nearby. His friend, I think, maybe had gone to the restroom. And they kept taking their shoes off, but they weren't near the pool. And the management kept saying, Serge, you got to put your shoes back on, uh, which no one thought anything of it. So all of a sudden, he backs up, he puts his drink down, he backs up, takes a running start, and jumps off the roof. And, I just, I'm like... And his friend, when we told his friend, immediately, his friend came back. His friend looked so disappointed and not surprised at all. And we all thought later that perhaps they had gone up there to do it together. 
Um, I was down in Buenos Aires in Argentina and this lady fell down um, marble steps and like most of her teeth came out. She had brain, like it looked like she had brains coming out of her head. Um, and I ran over and called, well, I just screamed because I didn't know what 911 was down there. You know, it's always different in different countries. So I just screamed for help and her husband was there, but he was in shock. So it was crazy. That is really crazy. Yeah, <laughs> I can't even imagine like when you're in a foreign country and then you're trying to deal with something that's probably in a tourist location. Well, they were having some kind of gala upstairs. So she was in like this, I'll never forget it, like really long red dress and heels. And she was an older woman. It was pretty insane. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. I have it written down in a journal somewhere, but... What is the one leisure item that you want to make sure that you as an individual have accessible to you? Hmm. That's a great question because when I think about it, it's usually survival and not those type of items. But, um, you know, coffee, I think actually some... Oh, wow. That's a good one. Yeah, definitely coffee. And then I would say some other food items because like for me, I've got canned goods and things like that, right? And have my camp stove and heat those things up. But I think bread cheese i don't know if i could can those things get them ready probably i've never heard of bread canned bread or cheese but um i would go coffee and some kind of sweet item even if it's twinkies like twinkies last forever right if i have coffee and twinkies i'm gonna feel good during a long day of outside keeping everything going i really want you to make canned bread i don't even know what that is or what that we're talking about but i want to have it's some probably like a fruit cake, okay jenny what would be your leisure item well, I'd say like comfy pants, blanket, <laughs> yes. pillow. I can sleep through anything. So if I'm comfortable, like I can sleep for days until the rescue comes. <laughs> well, while Rob is taking care of like the day to day, you're just like taking a nap. That's <laughs> what so camping is like. <laughs> <laughs> That's what every weekend is like. <laughs> in, my, in every preparedness kit I have, and this goes back to my army days, every in my rucksack, I always kept a Frisbee. Oh, nice. Keep a flying disc because it's so easy. You can you, you can just get out and start throwing it. If you get one of those that glow in the dark, if your car goes off a uh, you know off an embankment, you, if you can just throw it straight up to signal. Um, what if a you good have a idea. glowing, if you, yeah, we, I love you, it. if you stand out in an open field, movement is what people see. So you're just th- you know the helicopter or the drone or whatever it is that rescues are looking for. That's how you they're gonna. That's what they're gonna see is this bright orange thing. Put that on my list. And also, <laughs> it's great because if you, when you when you go to collective with other people that are also um, that are also survivors, you start throwing them around. Somebody's going to come and say, "Hey, can I get on that?" And then you get to meet other people, mm-hmm. and right. then and it just it passes the time when you're at a shelter or whatever. So things like that are things you know you, you, the little things you, you think about. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm sorry for me. It's just water. Just <laughs> <laughs> What, what were you saying on one of your pod? I believe you said on one of your podcasts, three days, three hours, yeah. three yes. minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Three minutes in cold, in yeah. cold water. Um, three hours, you need water. Uh, warmth. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. Three days, so. you need water. Yep. Three yep. weeks, you need food. Three weeks, yeah. you need food. Yep. Three seconds. If you're you can't fight a bear. bear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, you ain't going to win that well, one. <laughs> 
yeah. battery saved up to listen to music somehow? Same answer. I'm not, like, sure how I would power. Like, I guess I just need, like, a million battery packs to, like, power. I do have um, my boombox that used to be my car stereo that would sit in the passenger side that runs on D batteries. So I'm maybe I get some extra D batteries. I use, like, Spotify. So, like, if we were in a disaster system where both the electricity and the if the internet went down, then, I'd be screwed. Well, then you come to me because I own CDs still and I buy CDs. I mean, I have records, but how would I power the record player? So you come and listen to my CDs okay. on my okay. boombox that used to be my car stereo. Okay, sounds good. And now that we've exchanged keys, we can do that. Yes. <laughs> Is this assuming that I have other preparatory things? Like I already have a water filter. I don't have to worry yeah, about like, those kind for of For sure. This is, this is for like, entertainment like only. Comforter. Like You've... my blankets around me. Like, because that's comfort. Right. I don't know about entertainment, but I'm. I got. I cannot be cold. Right. Um, I like that because one of the things that you have to have is warmth yeah. because you can only survive for like three like, hours if you're in a hypothermic. And I'd be like, I'll be okay. And <laughs> yeah. a pair of socks. I'm going to assume I have like my puffy coat and my rain jacket yeah. like on. Let's assume um, you have the necessities. You have food, so water, have warmth. Lighter. I mean, do I have a source of fire? Yes. So we're talking like an actual extra. Just item. like a leisure item. What is Bananagrams. <laughs> yes. Because you're playing with friends. Yeah. I think I might choose a ukulele, something to like try. I think that's and good the for nights you. are going to be long and dark and hard. And what's good about that is he can play and I can sing and we'll both be mutually entertained. I would think like a gas generator so you could run all the <laughs> items in your house. Because you're like, I want to charge all my electric items. Exactly, yeah. Someone's going to need a working cell network to take care of these pets, right? Right, so, yeah. yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. I like that you're like, because of the pets. <laughs> Not because I want to run my air hockey table. It's because I want pets. My immediate thought was books. <laughs> for sure, because you read a lot. So you would want books for sure. Yeah, so I have my books. I would probably, you know, at least have that. I don't know. Um, flashlight. <laughs> I'll either that's a leisure item. Like, yeah, I can see where I'm going yeah, to the bathroom. <laughs> and by leisure item, I mean like entertainment item. Uh, that's not a fair question. I don't know. This is a tricky question. What's yours? Uh, so for me, I have a pack of cards. Like I grew up in a family where we played cards a lot. So for me, if I've like gotten my food taken care of and my drinks taken care of and stuff, like, and I wanted to distract myself in a non-electricity way, I would probably be like, let's play spades or hearts or any variety of card games. Okay, I'll bring some cards and then we can play cards together. <laughs> I like it. That's easy because I'm. My most one of the outside of like the food water stuff, poncho liner. A what? In the arm you call it a whoopee. Call it a whoopee. Oh, it's the best thing ever. Trust me. So so nice and warm. Your body heat warms it up. So okay. most of them are waterproof on one side. Yep. So you can lay on it. You can roll up in it like a burrito. Yeah. You can wear it over the top of you. I have one of those. So my thing. I have two things. One is thank God it's super light and easy to pack, and it's my sense of humor. <laughs> um, I tend to have gallows humor. I tend to have gallows humor about a lot of stuff, even though it's not necessarily always appropriate for wider audiences. Um, but I also think that um, I try to remember this too shall pass, as tough as it is, regardless of what happens. But the way we do it is with love and humor. So I, and I tend to focus on the humor and the love part, right? But the other thing that I do that's just for me is I always have a book. 
I'm very, I am very much an extrovert. What? When I need to, <laughs> when I need to just kind of pull in, I like to read a book because I can hold it up in front of my face <laughs> so that I don't have to look at people. So for me, it's a book. Nice. But really, it's my sense of humor. Mm-hmm. I spend a lot of time. We call that positive mental attitude. Yes. Well, PMA. I tell people, so I tell people that I am a realistic Pollyanna. I think you're undermining how much you have to offer because, like, I really want to take naps instead of helping. Mm. So if you are you are taking naps instead of helping, then yeah. I can be like, when Leaf is like, oh, why don't you help at all? I, I can be like, yeah, I can step in and Rob say, is helping. we need to nap. Yeah. That's what, that's our contribution. Uh, we have to be well-rested for whatever might come next. Rest is a weapon. It's a famous quote, rest yeah. is a weapon. So, you know, without rest, what good are you? Thank you. What good am I? Without a good rest. Our motto, slowly but surely, keep surviving. (laughs) I'm on board. Uh, What's your favorite podcast? Last podcast on the left. Okay, what's your what's your like sixth favorite podcast? Prep yourself. (laughs) Afton, what about you? Yes, the same. (laughs) Sixth favorite. This one. Prep yourself. Prep yourself before you wreck yourself. (laughs) Thank you guys. Bye. Just bugs are a disaster. (laughs) So. This might not be considered a national disaster to everyone, but to Whitney, bugs are a natural disaster. If I lived somewhere else in the country and there were bugs, I wouldn't like it. Thanks, ladies. Good job.